Well, thanks. Thanks for all those good questions before. Um, I, uh, um, a couple announcements. Um, this Saturday, there's a day long here called Exploring the First Precept, Non-Harming. Uh, there's not often, um, you know, retreats or day-longs or anything that are about precepts, and uh, I think those are, it's really great to explore them. Uh, and then next, well, of course, we'll be here next Thursday. Next Friday is the, the regular monthly Dharma and Recovery Group, so... Um, you can come back for that as well as Thursday. Could you say something about that, what that um, thing is? It's, it's not much to say, except it's just me doing the same what thing. What you do. Okay. Yeah, what I do. I, you know. A sitting and you do what you do. Yeah. Okay. My shtick, yes. What is a precept? What is a precept? Mm-hmm. Oh, good question. Let me finish the uh, announcements and then we'll talk about that a little bit. So, uh, Sunday, March 24th, there's a day-long introduction to insight meditation with Howard Cohn. And that's, uh, so if you're, if you're one of the people here who's just learning to practice, that would be a great, great opportunity to sit for a day with a teacher who's very experienced. And, and he's a very charming uh, teacher as well. Good way to... <coughs> learn a little bit more about practice. I also wanted to mention, and I will talk about precepts because that's a great topic actually, um, that, uh, and I don't know if I've mentioned this to you guys, that there's an organization called the Buddhist Recovery Network. Have I mentioned that to you? I have? Okay. Well, I'll mention it again for some people who didn't hear it. Um, so the Buddhist Recovery Network, um, we're... Uh, what can I say? I mean, our, our, sort of our main function seems to be to have a website that lists all the me- Buddhist recovery meetings that we know of. So um, bu- what is a Buddhist recovery meeting? It's whatever anybody wants it to be. You know, it's basically people in recovery who are into Buddhism who want to be able to kind of have the kind of support they get in their 12-step meeting, but in a place that's more oriented around meditation and Buddhism so that they... You know, don't, they can talk about Buddhism in a way that you can't do at a 12-step meeting that would be inappropriate. Um, so there are uh, a bunch of groups around the Bay Area. Uh, there's going to be a new one at East Bay Meditation Center. And the leader, I had uh, tea with the, the leader of that new group yesterday, and she's going to come and substitute for me in April, Shahara Godfrey, beautiful woman uh, with a lot to offer um, so, uh, and the San Francisco Zen Center has weekly groups every Monday night. Berkeley Shambhala has one down on the peninsula, Redwood City. They have one each month in my group here. So, uh, BuddhistRecovery.org. Uh, there's also uh, book reviews of like every recovery book, Buddhist recovery book we know of, plus a lot of Buddhist books. Um, there's some downloads of like suggestions for putting together a group or and and various articles and things it's really a, it's a good resource um, we're we're starting a local chapter 
Buddhist Recovery Bay Area. And um, so stay tuned. Um, we're going to try to, I don't know, be of service. So the precepts, uh, if I haven't talked about the precepts, I've been negligent. Because uh, normally I would talk about them during the fourth step. Um, so in Buddhism, the precepts are kind of the corollary to Christian commandments, only they aren't commands. They're more like tra trainings or guidelines. Um, and the, the five lay precepts are to not kill any living being, to not take what is not given, what is not offered, so to not steal, to not harm with our sexuality, to not harm with our speech, to not lie, and to not use intoxicants. The precepts are really guidelines for living. They are guidelines for uh, developing skillful karma, developing good karma. Um, and while they, there is an openness to them in the sense that it's not sort of like a sin to break a precept, nonetheless, there is a karmic consequence. And from my viewpoint, it's very difficult to distinguish the difference between a karmic consequence or a negative karmic consequence and a sin except there's something sort of mystical about sins that go on your immortal soul and get reported up to God, and St. Peter sees them and reads them when you get die. And, you know, but if you don't believe in that nonsense, I mean, you know, it's, we're talking about the same thing. Um, and it, a lot of the difference is just cultural. And I, I was just reading Tricycle. The, the, there's a Buddhist journal called Tricycle. It comes out of New York, and uh, they they had a discussion of the fifth precept on not using intoxicants, an online discussion. And about 90% of the people were saying, well, you know, they're just guidelines, and it's okay to have a glass of wine with dinner, blah, 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 because you're not really getting intoxicated. And, you know, finally somebody was like, you know, it's a, it's a precept, and when you drink, you break it. And, and... A lot of people who think they can have a glass of wine with dinner can't, you know. And most of us, those of you here who are alcoholics, if you're anything like me, you didn't think it was a problem until you realized it was a problem. Uh, and frankly, no precept was going to stop me from drinking anyway, so it didn't. But there are those who, who have approached recovery that way through precept. The, so, the Buddha taught the precepts, the, taught the five lay precepts for the lay people. But then he had rules for his monks. So, for the monastics, they would start with eight precepts, which included not having a meal after noon. So, usually when somebody says they're doing eight precepts, it means they're not eating after noon. But what happened was that 
originally he didn't have any rules, but the monks would screw up. And so he'd lay, oh, we need a rule for that. And eventually, by the time the Buddha died, there were 227 precepts for the monks. Now, before he died, he told his attendant, Ananda, that it would be okay to drop some of the less important precepts. And so, when all the monks gathered after the Buddha's death to kind of, they, they gathered to uh, recite the teachings and try to memorize them so that they could preserve them because nothing was written down. So they gathered to recite the teachings and, and Ananda said this to the group, well, we can let go of some of the less important precepts. And everybody's like, well, that's great. So which are the less important ones? And Ananda was like, uh, I forgot to ask that. He said, well, let's just keep them all then. So the, in the Theravadan tradition, the monks, the monks up in the Bayagiri, near Ukiah, um, that's what they do. They follow the 227 precepts, some of which I believe are somewhat anachronistic, like, you know, don't walk in the, or at least they don't relate to their lives, don't walk in the rice paddies during the rainy season, those types of things. Um, but the precepts are, uh, they're really a beautiful guidelines for living to, to take them on. And, and the, to me, the people who have really inspired me the most about working the, with the precepts are the people who talk about, rather than trying to figure out sort of a narrow lawyerly take on the precepts, like I always used to with any rules, including commandments and things. They try to open it up and expand the meaning of it so that uh, to not take what is not given can be about living simply and not overusing resources. Um, to not use intoxicants can, can be about how I use media, and you know, am I intoxicated by my cell phone? You know, um, you know, not sort of letting myself just get lost in things. You know, the the precept on right speech is hugely challenging for anyone, whether monk or lay person, and so there there isn't this idea of guilt. You've broken a precept, but there is this. It's much more to me like a challenge to try to live up to these things. And it's, and it's gratifying. And, you know, those of you who are uh, addicts and alcoholics, you know how powerful following one of the precepts is, how transforming it is to just not use intoxicants. <laughs> Think what it would be like if you followed all five precepts as, as fully as you can follow the fifth precept. Think what it would be like if everybody in the world just followed one precept. If, if nobody in the world killed anybody, or nobody in the world stole anything, or nobody in the world harmed anyone sexually, or nobody in the world lied, or nobody in the world used intoxicants. One of those precepts followed by everyone would completely change the world. And yet they sound, you know, 
to me, when I first learned them, I won't say they sound this way, but when I first heard them, I kind of was like, oh, yeah, good. Now let, let's get on to the important stuff, like getting enlightened. You know. It was only really after I got sober <clears throat> that I realized, wow, this is, this is a path, just following the precepts. Because it requires mindfulness, first of all, to really observe when am I being unskillful with my speech? When am I like flirting when I shouldn't be flirting? When am I, you know, uh, it, it, you know, if I'm at work, it's like, oh, they won't miss a couple of reams of paper, you know, or something, uh, or I'll just run off a few copies of my resume, you know, while I'm looking for another job or something. You know, these little ways that we kind of cut corners and. And so to be aware of that and to not take it on like, oh, I'm such a bad person, but like, hmm, okay. Like, I mean, I eat meat, you know, and I mean, the, the, okay, this is just to show that Buddhism has hypocrisy too, because there's a way in which I think we idealize Buddhism and say, oh, those, you know, those Catholics who are abusing kids, are, those are the bad people, but the Buddhists are all good, because there are Buddhists who abuse kids too, so don't worry. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, you know, the, the, the rule supposedly about a monk eating meat is he can't eat meat that was killed for him. I mean, you know, okay, uh, great. So that's, that's not, uh, I mean, I, I accept that by eating meat, I'm essentially not following the first precept wholeheartedly. Um, but then again, you know, I kill ants too, you know, so confession. You know, I've even had a rat trapped in my house. But I mean, you know, uh, these are the things. I, I try to do it with awareness, you know. I, when I kill ants, I do the loving kindness. You know, may you be free from suffering as I wipe them off the counter. So, um, so these are, you know, the things to live with. I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean, that's funny, but it... But it's also, but I'm serious. I mean, that's because to me, then what that's about in that moment, why that's important to me, is because it's about where my heart is in that moment. If I am like really in this like fucking ass, get the hell out. You know, that's this really negative energy that I'm getting inside me. You know, but if I can rather look at them and go, I know that you're just trying to survive and you're just trying to get what you need, but you've just come to a place that it's not appropriate and I'm sorry, but I have to kill you, you know. That I feel, I feel very different and that's a different, I believe that there's a different karmic effect from that. There's certainly an immediately different karmic effect emotionally. So, so how we even, you know, break a precept uh, is significant. The intention behind it, you know, what's what's going on, whether it's coming from hatred or greed or lust or, or uh, you know, just a aversion, you know, rather than hatred. Just, uh, no, this, so. so obviously there's a lot that can be said about the precepts. I recommend in I, probably a couple of my books, certainly in my first book, that uh, working with the precepts be part of your inventory practice. Um, so, I wanted tonight to um, suggest that you guys uh, work with uh, uh, a, some dyads. Uh, 
we haven't done many small groups. Maybe we did one one night. But um, I like to explore this question around steps six and seven, which to me are about change fundamentally and letting go. So I'd like you to, uh, with a partner, and I'll repeat this after you get together, but to explore three questions around letting go. What gets in the way for me of changing, growing, letting go? What helps me to change and to let go? And how can I cultivate those qualities that help me to change and let go? So what gets in the way of letting go? What helps me to let go? How could I cultivate the qualities that help, that help me to let go? So if you would find a partner, and then if you want, I can repeat these questions and, uh, and get into a little uh, mindful speech with each other. <laughs>